0: And welcome to Revisiting Perspective,
1: otherwise known as Mick and Taj's exploration of adolescent angst and the early misconceptions that divide us today. Well, all right, welcome to Revisiting Perspective. I'm Mick Danzig and with my host, Taj. Taj, Hi. how the hell are you today?
0: I am a wonderful friend. Thanks for having me again. Here we are.
1: Oh no, thank you. I could not do this without you. This is really should be called the Todd Show. But before anyone else notices, I'm gonna skip right over that and keep going. Usually you and I like to kind of catch up and do a little quote unquote coffee talk at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think we're gonna have we have a potentially loaded and lengthy topic today. So I don't want this to end up being an hour and a half long podcast. I think I am probably the most palatable under 30 minutes. So what I want to do (laughs) is jump right in because this is something I brought to you, something that.
0: The world can only take so much of mech. Is that what you're saying? That
1: is damn right. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. I was watching a, a television with a friend not too long ago and there was a commercial on and I didn't really, I was kind of paying attention. All of a sudden the person with me made a comment that kind of caught me off guard and then kind of really, really got under my skin Hmm. and what they said. And they, they didn't say it with any sort of disgust or hate or strong irritants, but they just turned and said, you know, are there any commercials left where it's just a white heterosexual couple? What? Yeah. And I was just, And I I think the part of my brain that I've developed that keeps me from just like reacting out of the gate, yeah, it it just kind of like held Mick down. Like, hold on, maybe you're not hearing this right. But I was, They, they, I guess, basically their comment was that the diversity in television had become out of control and they felt like there was no representation of the white. Heterosexual couple. Uh, so, did you on remind television.
0: them that the past one hundred years of television has been just as they have said? Absolutely.
1: I was just <laughs> like, like I said, it was one of those where it, it, it really, I had a delayed reaction to it, mm. and then obviously, I, I, I don't want to, I didn't want to give them <laughs> too much acknowledgement, and of course, you and I both know that that statement is completely absurd, right? And then I had a second wave of this in a in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So there with the amount of new streaming services and the, the just need to create more shows and content to fill. yeah, but so I'm, I'm stumbling, and you know, one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite bad movies from my youth was Valley Girl and they went back and remade that in the last mm-hmm. year into a terrible musical which of course i have not watched the second of oh and wait then I,
0: was it a musical i thought yes. it was a movie movie oh
1: no it's a friggin musical oh, and ca- a long kind of high school musical type of vibe from what i yeah, why can't they
0: just leave the good stuff alone oh
1: I, the and then i started finding more I started finding more and more like there's a retelling of one of my family's favorite movies, Mm -hmm. the big chill. There's a new version of that, but they call it something else. There's a movie called hustle, the hustle, which Mm -hmm. is really a female remake of dirty, rotten scandals. And then of course we've had the all female version of oceans 11 called oceans eight, blah, blah, blah. But basically just reinforcing that there are no original ideas Right. And then I'm flipping through Hulu, and Hulu has had some really good programming lately. Uh, I think they've done a good job in their diversity in programming. Yes. And they had that great sp- uh, series, Woke, which I turned you on to. That's yes, Hulu. I love or, that. Or it may, it's either Hulu or FX. Hulu carries a lot of FX. And then I saw that they did a remake of The Wonder Years.
0: I saw that too. I love it.
1: It's the first remake. That I've seen that has credibility because they did it from the Black family's perspective in the same time, Mm -hmm. 1968. And so we're about, and you and I have only watched the first season and we really haven't got a chance to break it down except just a smidge. Right. But I'm like really excited. And I was never a diehard viewer of the original Wonder Years.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: there's some I may back go back and watch if I can find out like how the subject, if they match up the subject matter. So you get that different. This is my favorite part is when the name of a movie or a show or podcast is said in that movie, show or podcast. But maybe they're going <laughs> to show it from that different perspective. That's and, going on at the same time. Wait, what so,
0: did you say? Perspective, ding ding.
1: Yes. Ding. So basically, what I'm going to do, Taj, is I'm going to go back and revisit the perspective <laughs> of the other one
0: oh, while I'm watching all. the new
1: one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but A, I'm talking too much. B, we're not going to start off with the Wonder Years. We're going to come back to this because okay. really what we're talking about is the different perceptions. As far as representation, Mm -hmm. and especially following the theme of our podcast, going back into our youth and talking about that representation versus today. Yes. This is really new to me, Taji, because obviously being a a white male, it's not difficult for me to find something I can identify with on television. Uh Uh-huh. and here's where I am going to allow you to slay me if necessary, but also
0: I love to I, be allowed to do that.
1: I'm going to put a slightly Mick humorous spin on this. The closest thing I could even relate to as far as having the lack of uh, representation or someone you can identify with the media. When I was in high school, I was a skater boy and you couldn't you never found skateboarding on tv back then it wasn't popular in mainstream like it is today and same thing i listened to punk rock and underground music whenever the suicidal tendencies were on mtv people would be like hey did you see that video oh my god a punk rock video with skateboarding was on mtv or when skateboarding started become more popular and you'd see skaters in shows i'd be like no way that's so cool and that was just such a small part of who I was. But I got so excited when I, I found something that represented what was really the, the lead of my life at that time. That's as close as I can come to relating to not feeling representative. So that's my smidgy little, oh my gosh, poor Mick take on it. So why don't you slap me upside the head with some wow. reality and some truth, Todd?
0: So let's try to be a black girl (laughs) (laughs) growing up in the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, even I I remember when we were little, um, we used to play with strawberry shortcake. Like, I don't know if you remember those dolls, but all of my
1: sister, my sister's a little closer to your age. And I remember those dogs. And didn't you scratch them and they
0: smelled like, yeah, they smelled whatever they were, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is that all of the dolls were white, right? Even my baby dolls were white. Like my pretty, I think I had a pretty cut and grow, and she actually was a black doll, but I mean that wasn't until I was older that I had a black doll of any sort. And then I would say that the world relented like Mattel relented and we're like, all right, fine, we'll give you a black Barbie doll. Here you go. And she was beautiful, but she was just one representation of a color. But I was really excited. My mom, when I uh, graduated from college, bought me a teacher Barbie and it's actually sitting on top of my desk at work. And I was so excited to see a Barbie doll that kind of sort of I mean she had Beyonce hair but mm-hmm. and she has Beyonce hair but you know she she looks like me and that that was really hard growing up because all of the dolls when we were growing up were blue-eyed and blonde-haired and I had a lot of friends because we grew up in suburban Suburbanite or suburban, we are suburbanites. And you grew everyone, up in
1: suburbia in a the, yeah, in the like, white Midwest, though. I mean, you're talking is. you were not in the Ain't nobody going to or... have a
0: black you know black doll, and if they did, it was like the same color doll. Like they just stamped them out. I expected all black girls to relate to these dolls, and I hated that a little bit growing up because I wanted all you saw were blonde hair, blue eyed dolls, and that was what was revered. And even the brown-haired, the brunette doll, not revered. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed doll was what I had growing up. And so growing up and and getting older and seeing myself represented in other things, that was a big deal. Now, let
1: me ask you this. What were the television shows that you first noticed that you actually enjoyed that had families of color or mixed race and things like that. Was there one that any particular show or yeah. even commercials that you the identified Cosby's, with?
0: Hands down the Cosby's in the eighties. Um, and I know that the Cosby's, you know, obviously it has some issues, <laughs> but really <laughs> when you saw Dr. Huxtable and you saw attorney at law, Mrs. Huxtable, you know, when you saw this affluent black family being represented, I was kind of blown away by that. You know, we we had, of course, at our high school, some really successful families um, of color, but you just didn't see it very often. And finally, I was like, wow, there's there's a mother and a father, right? Which is disappointing that I'm even having to point that out. Like a mother and a father living with one another. And that's why I like the Wonder Years. Well, the fact
1: that you got to see a non-broken home. Right? Right. Because
0: that was the the narrative all of those years. You know, if you think about um, good times, right? The dad passed away because, you know, the main character decided to leave the show. But... Then she's a single mom raising kids and people are like, oh, of course, that's, you know, the narrative of black people. And it's just not there. So the Cosbys anyway were the representation that I remember. And I was really excited about that.
1: It it, it took a movement. So the Cosby show wasn't until 84, which is great for you because that's a a key time in you growing up.
0: Yeah, I was 10. Yeah. So
1: at least you finally, you know, you didn't have to wait longer like a lot of people because before Cosby – To me, it seemed like there was almost representation with an asterisk. What I mean by that is very bad. Yes, they were that there was representation, it was done realistically, it was never really a main character. And this person didn't have any flaws, and they were actually an upstanding citizen. Mm -hmm. That happened sometimes, but most of the time, your characters were flawed and they had their hubris, or there was something. Like the first one I think of was the Jeffersons. Yeah. Of course, that spun off of Archie Bunker. Yeah. And I later went back. I I I remember watching Archie Bunker as a little kid, but I forgot about the Jeffersons being their neighbors first. Mm -hmm. But I loved watching the Jeffersons, and that was something my. It was one of the shows that my family watched together. We did. Yeah. yeah. Once a week, and that was that was Mm -hmm. a show. They still. The reason I still give it a little bit of an asterisk is. George Jefferson was pretty much a dick, right? I mean, he (laughs) had his soft spots. He did. But the reason I felt like there was an asterisk when I say that about him being a dick is like they almost said you had to be
0: skinned
1: and you had to be kind of an asshole too. And it was breaking into business outside of just doing it in black neighborhoods.
0: Right, Why can't you just been a normal, you know, like Father Knows Best or any of those shows growing up, where you have a white family where the dad is just successful just because. Why did they have to give him an attitude too, in order to for him to to be successful? It's it's almost like a mockery, and that's the part that really drove me nuts about um the Jeffersons. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but there was I I like that. Um, you said that it's with an asterisk. That's really interesting um, phrasing.
1: And right. I, I want to dance a l- around a little bit because I know there's some things that I, I. This is a short podcast, so I yeah. don't want people to think I'm generalizing. And oh, they just made Georgia Dick, because there were some really good messages in <laughs> no, there. there were. And
0: at the same, and they time- were before their time, right? Like they were. Way before their time in the seventies, with the the subjects that they were hitting, like interracial couples. That's and, what I was
1: going to say. So the whole yeah. point is, I think they had to make him edgy mm-hmm. because of the subject matter they were going to tackle, the tough times, the and the fact that remember he was spun off of Archie Bunker, right. who was a complete asshole. Yes, he was so. And part of the what worked about him when he was just a character on that show was that he—you had to be an asshole to butt heads with Archie Bunker. Mm-hmm. And of course, Archie Bunker was extremely It was a racist. And towards the end of the show, he came around. And there were some great things they did with him, and they soft him up, softened him up. And so we got to see his character evolve. It just sucked that his character really didn't evolve till the show was really sliding. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but and I they, wonder
0: if they did the same thing with the Jeffersons. Like, I don't remember how that ended. Do they? Do they? Do you think that they have the same thematic take on George Jefferson where they kind of softened him up at the end?
1: Uh, the only <laughs> thing I remember him giving on, and and let's I want to be upfront. I could be wrong with this statement, so I'm going mm-hmm. off of this is why I started with the only thing I can remember mm-hmm. is I, you know, he did soften up. I think as far as accepting his son's fiancé. And by the way, before I forget to mention this, can we just for a second acknowledge that to, I love the fact that the Jeffersons broke down some great barriers. I, I I do know that they made George a little more accepting at the end. They probably had to do it just because they, they probably found out that that was some of the things that was hurting the show later on. When did I, that show end? Do you remember... The Jeffersons mm-hmm. ran for 10 years from wow. 75 to 85. 85. So that's I think I mean, some that's of the, the adjustments, of the Cosby's, was, right? Yeah. So I did not mm-hmm. realize there was actually an overlap of that's one cool. year with the Cosby's because the Cosby's awesome. were 84. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think yeah. that the Jeffersons were still around when the Cosby started.
0: But it makes sense with the evolution, right? Like the Cosby's were like, all right, let's show a very successful couple. Also, let's do something with Mrs. Huxtable. Let's show like having successful success with five kids. It it just was fascinating to watch every single week. And I, oh my goodness, I just looked forward to it. And it made me like, you know, hold my head up, you know, like this is a successful black family. And And we just didn't, I don't know, it was stingy. With their Black people.
1: (laughs) Right. No, what was great about it and why it worked so well, it didn't make it about the differences. It made it about the similarities. And so they were dealing Mm -hmm. with the same problems everyone else in America was dealing with. And of course, broad generality there as well. It was relatable, right? So you weren't like... And I don't want to spend too much time on comparing the Jeffersons to everything else, no. but you still like watch the Jeffersons differently. You watch it to see what were the, what was going to happen this week. The subject matter did at times tackle some amazing topics and they did it well. It was always a presentation. Where mm-hmm. you watched the Cosbys and you felt like you could have walked into that household right. and interacted with that family, or you knew that family. And you're right, we did have some families similar to the Cosbys in high school. We did. And it was just normal, it was representing. It was just what, representing was that without there? announcing it. Yeah. yeah.
0: They,
1: the show was breaking ground by not breaking ground. <laughs> right. Am I right? I mean, that's what it was. And then of course, I mean, it was just saying, we're not going to make a big production of the fact that they live in this wonderful walk up. That today is worth millions and millions of dollars. Right. This is just this family that lives here. And then these are their siblings. And they, just like everyone else, they've got the goofy kid, and the superstar, smart daughter and the artsy daughter and then of course the younger one so you could have all the problems that the younger kids deal with and bring to the household it was great so you got to see how they dealt with all these different age you know they were parents yeah four different kids mm-hmm. with four different personalities and four different five. sets of problems five yeah it was just like any other show other than it wasn't like any other show
0: Well, here's the thing that I'm sorry. Here's the thing that that I'm thinking of. Like, when I think about high school and the things that we talked about, like the shows that we talked about, I think finally we had, I don't know if finally is the right word, but we had some skin in the game. Like, we had a commonality, like you were talking about, to bring to the table and to be, be proud of. And I wonder how my other classmates thought about that show. You know, that the fact that they could come into school and be like, hey, did you see, you know, the Cosby's last night, you know, versus like whatever other show was was happening there that just had white, you know, white people in it and no no success like we could see, like with our own people. So that would be we had skin in the game, like we could finally talk about somebody who looked like us and have a normal conversation rather than talking about white protagonists and antagonists that we couldn't see represented in ourselves. So I think that that would be a really interesting conversation to have with some of our classmates um, going back and what they thought about that show as as they went through high school. Don't you think so?
1: Yeah, to find out how relatable they really found it. yeah I, 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 I totally if agree you think about it. you as you grow up with that show, in your case, I mean, like I said, the timing was perfect. You're 10 and 11. You're watching the show. And then as you're getting older, the characters are getting older. And yep. then they spin off yes. with a different
0: world. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Now, to
1: me, I would think as you grew up, that would be much more relatable to you than Cosmic so show. Much.
0: Absolutely. I loved A Different World. And as a matter of fact, I'm, you know, I'm going, suffering through my doctorate right now. And so I actually gave my participants the names of the characters in a different world as pseudonyms. First of all, I, and I'm going to be really honest here, and I hope that people are like, girl, bye. But the Black colleges that, people went to, like, I had no idea that that was even an option. Truly. Like my, my whole path, Mick, was to go to IU, right? In seventh right. grade, they won the men's basketball finals. And I was like, I'm going to go to IU and I want to be a doctor, which, you know, like never was a doctor. I went into teaching. I didn't know there was a Spellman and a Morehouse and a Tennessee's you know, state, like, or or Kentucky, schools in Kentucky that were just for Black people just like me. And so when I saw it's a different world, it was too late to apply for college because I was already there. But man, I was just like, this is so freaking cool. You know, and if you, if I didn't have the exposure, like my guidance counselor wasn't talking about an all-Black college. They weren't talking about HBCUs. They were giving us um, the option to go to Ball State IU Purdue those schools really weren't represented on high school campus for you? No,
1: wow. and, and you now
0: listen to me, listen to me. I was all wrapped up in my little, little world and I, and I admit it, but I just wasn't in tune to that. And I wish I would have been, I think actually there was one of our classmates, but she was like the, to me, like the epitome of I'm going to go to an HBCU because that's my legacy, but it, it just wasn't given to me. And that, that's a representation thing. Like nobody handed me a flyer and was like, Hey, you should think about Spellman." <laughs> well, that's that seriously.
1: That's what I, that's why I'm really surprised. That's why I, I that was a legit question. I was I'm, yeah. I'm very surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think they'd hit all the schools mm-hmm. and no. especially looking at, cause you, you were towards the top of your class, correct?
0: Uh, yeah, ish, ish, 25-ish. I went to, but the thing that did happen that I'm proud of our school for that they got me into the groups program at IU, which is a minority program. It targets um, first generation college students. And my mother was an, a Jamaican immigrant. And so I considered first generation so I was involved with that and that's when it really I was my eyes were kind of open to hey there's like IU soul review there um, is the IU you know gospel choir and and things and so I got involved really in my cultural I don't know background I don't know what to call it when I was a freshman in, at in college at IU, but I would have loved to have had the opportunity for somebody to be like, "Hey, you should consider that," because I don't think that our counselors did. I would say in the like last ten years, this topic has really been important to me because it's important for you know me to see myself, for my boys to see themselves as they they look at um, media, as they intake that stuff. It just is.
1: The way I become aware of things is almost comical because <laughs> I stumble across things. And, and, but then I, when, I, when something catches my ear or mm-hmm. my eye, and I don't want to take away from what's going on at the time, I'll go do my own research or I'll really think about it or I'll reach out and ask people I know that are you know more qualified. Yeah, I'm on an, a human resources podcast. So we talk about inclusion a lot and diversity where i really saw the representation piece and understood it of all places or there is a docu series called the console wars techmo bowl
0: yes most males
1: my age the old techmo bowl game was one of the greatest inventions of all time because it really came out right when we were in in college and guys would drink beers and play this Tecmo Bowl. Right. There's, some, there's some tricks like Bo Jackson. If you play Bo Jackson and for the Oakland Raiders, you can easily make Bo run, like, rush for 500 yards. But as they're talking about the sports games and how they evolved with Nintendo and the other game consoles, one of the programmers, who was black, he was explaining that back then, the way the, the programming worked You couldn't, the players had to be all one color. So for the first few years, they were white. And then one year they decided to make the football players black. And he was like, oh my God, for the first time ever, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was being represented in a video game. And the fact that the video game was allowed to last as long as it did with all white players is ridiculous to me. But
0: when well it's you, ridiculous to you now you didn't think about it then right I only
1: I, I noticed it but I wasn't furious over it like you notice mm. when all the players are on the field and they're there they're they're not well, ethically you correct. noticed
0: it there were there I mean just go back to what your friend said about I don't understand why there aren't any more white couples in commercials anymore it's always been that way and so the fact that you noticed it Is it means something to me at least?
1: (laughs) No, I it it, it, it's yes, I think you're right because it was part of a process to making me more aware of of
0: the lack of statistics and lack
1: of representation, etc. So let's talk about the wonder years yes there have first off let's say we're not saying the wonder years is the first show to get it right because there are some great shows out there now yes i'm sure there are people that are furious over this version of the wonder years and let me be the first to say that those people can go fuck themselves so let's let's get into this (laughs) so what i loved about the wonder years that it takes place, the like we said, the exact same time. It starts in 1968, which is when yes. the original Wonder Year started. But right off the bat, it says, we're going to do this from a different perspective. It's a black family in suburbia just the, the the first 5 minutes of the show alone just i'm i'm i was so in i'm like i am in today yes
0: actually the first line i was invested because i'm i'm just going to go ahead and give away the first line they were like you know right now the the country is more divided than it's ever been and there is a pandemic it's 1968 and i was like say what yeah <laughs> like- it was the the flu pandemic of 68 <laughs> They they made it a point to
1: say, "Hey, this isn't a show just about the past."
0: Absolutely. They do
1: things to make this show extremely relevant. Oh,
0: goodness, I mean, yes.
1: painfully relevant.
0: Uh huh. Painfully and, is a great word. It but just- you know
1: what? They don't. They don't have to raise the comfort or you know the discomfort level to where an Archie Bunker or a George mm. Jefferson had to in the past to get your attention. Yeah, it's it's subtle. So it doesn't dominate the show. That's what I thought was great about it.
0: Yeah, there's so many layers it onion upon onion of layer of everything that the uh, characters reveal. You're just like, oh, man, that is a gem hidden. It's just oh, it's so incredible. If you guys have not watched the the new Wonder Years, please do get a hold of that quickly because the first episode, it I think it only lasts for like forty minutes, and I cried. No, it's
1: like thirty. And Todd, first off, let's just say this: spoiler alerts. We're going to dig on the show. You do not. Taji's dancing because she's afraid of of <laughs> ruining. Uh, you know, we've only watched. We made it a point only to watch one episode before we. Talk I already about ruined it for my mother. So. <laughs> So don't, I mean, I think there's some key points that I think we should really go ahead and talk about it. So we're going to spoiler alert it and say, okay, if for some reason you don't want to hear the stuff that happens in the very first episode, don't skip, listen forward, <laughs> you're missing out because we're both friggin' fabulous. But
0: start <laughs> off,
1: give me just your synopsis, your take on what you got out of that show upon first watching it.
0: Well, I think I think you're right when you talk about the complexity of the issues that are happening with the characters. I really um, identified with Dean because, you know, in the 1980s, we had busing. The Indianapolis public schools um, were bussed out. I lived in an area where I could have either gone to an IPS school or a suburban school. Well, we were bused to the suburban school. And so that's the first thing that you're seeing in, in the wonder years. So the the main character has a really optimistic outlook on like, I'm going to make new friends. This is going to be great. You know, I'm going to get along with white kids and it's his best friend who kind of brings him back to reality. But I too identified with that because in high school I was like, you know, I'm going to try to be into the popular crowd. I'm going to make everybody love. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to make everybody love me and it's going to be great. And, and I saw a lot of that character in me and the disappointments and the, the onion layers that kept being peeled back by major things happening. And the major things that happened when, we were, when I was in high school it was Rodney King case happened. And that really caused a divide in our country at the time. Um, and it brought up a lot of issues, but you really had to think of like white and black. And I think that the Wonder Years does a really great job of that with the event that happens in 1968 that everybody is aware of. But man, I just really identified with his wanting to have everybody get along, you know, um, and the complexity of, And everybody maybe not being ready for that with Martin Luther King's death. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it. I I I love
1: everything you're saying. It was a really, I didn't even think of that. I mean, I thought of that part in the fact that I thought of how he was just like, well, of course, you know, one of the things they, they have a Jewish friend. Yes. Who, who <laughs> he wants, <laughs> he, wa- he wants everyone to, to hang out and get along. And he goes out of his way to kind of try to always keep things smooth sailing. When everyone says something that is an indicator of racism, he'll just go, she's not, prejudiced. They're not racist. It was <laughs> prejudice. So this is funny too. I said <laughs> racist when I texted you this morning. And it was, he kept saying prejudice.
0: Prejudice, yeah.
1: And, and it reminded me that, that 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 was the term we used for the yeah, longest. Yeah, a lot. And I forgot about that. Because I, I always thought uh, prejudice was very easily to turn into ignorant. Yes. So I would always use that. I always take, anytime someone would use the word prejudice, I would quickly turn it into ignorant and may, and try to lighten it up. But every time someone said something that could be construed, not misconstrued most of the time, mm-hmm. construed a, as racist, he would just go, oh, they're not prejudiced.
0: And oh, but, so, but that scene in the classroom was really important because he's pointing out like the, the teacher's actions. You know, she, um, there there's a bully in the back and he happens to be black and kind of like acting up in this mixed race classroom. And the teacher who is prejudiced and racist says um, to the three students in the front, Dean, the main character being one of them, basically saying, see, if you, if all of you black kids were like these black kids, then we wouldn't have any problems. And I, that happened to me In our high school, you know, I, you know, hey, Taji, you're, you just speak so well for a a Black girl. You know, I just wish that we had, you know, more kids like you. Well, what the hell does that mean? In the Wonder Years, it made those students really uncomfortable when this white teacher said those things. And she meant, or I don't know, I don't know if she meant well, (laughs) but I think that she was like trying to I think she thought she meant
1: well or she was just being very clear. There are boundaries to this desegregation. And as long as you play...
0: In within the rules, yes, yes,
1: and you yes. act proper and say mm-hmm. please and thank you, which that was really availed. That was oh my all gosh, it.
0: that scene was incredible. And the but, fact that the white girl, the the white the white student, was like, I think that someone said yo, she, the bully said yo mama, and the teacher said, what did you say? And a white girl raises her hand and she was like, he said yo mama, and she didn't get in trouble for saying that. But the black student got in trouble for saying that. I was like, "Oh my god!"
1: Yeah, it it
0: so. And,
1: and the thing is, <laughs> I think they did a good job of realizing using the the subtlety on the television program was yes. very effective because everything, nothing they do in this show is preachy, is nope. beating you over the head with a <laughs> message. It is telling you this is a snapshot. Yep. of a black family in 1968, mm-hmm. and he's a, a again. He's a prof, a music professor. Yes, who has, has his hit. his first uh, song that's actually on the radio. The wife is very attractive, intelligent, mm-hmm. articulate. Yep. The kid, the the, the family is a, it's a great it's, it's a incredible. great family, the, but then the, what? Go ahead. This is something that what they the way they do it. Is so amazing, but it's also still kind of explains why some of these things were necessary in the Jeffersons. They make it very clear we have certain things we do, we have our, our core values as a family. They weren't like willing to just praise God, Whitey's letting us in there, you know, starting to include us in stuff. Mm-hmm. They wanted well, they to wanted,
0: see, they didn't even want to be a part of that world, right? Like-
1: they wanted to still contribute. They just wanted to not be harassed or they right. wanted to feel equal, but they still wanted to spend the money at the black owned companies in mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Right. And so the boys they're on an all black uh, little league team and they want to play the all white team right. because they're Jewish friends on it. Right. And the black parents weren't, or the coach they're weren't really jazzed. It. They're like, why would you want to do that? They were like, right. that's, but I think that's so Fair. And I think it's done right with the show. Yeah. Because why should they snap at a chance to do that? Mm-hmm. Why, be like me if I said, Hey, I can meet you for lunch, but I can only do lunch at two, 2 30 in the afternoon at the furthest possible place for you. But at least you'll get to have lunch with me. You know, <laughs> I mean, seriously.
0: <laughs> like you're some commodity or something like yeah. that. And that's what it was. But it was that's like, what it was. It was blessed. like
1: we are so this, graciously and the, and the black parents out were the like
0: uh like we've got this like we this is all us over here thank you very much we don't need any help from anybody and yes it, of course it was important to be a part of a community a part of a larger community after all that was what the movement was all about in 1960s but you know the fact that a lot of that stuff that the black community the black um, businesses, um, the Black Little League teams were taken away from us and that, well, taken away from the world and that all of a sudden the Black communities had to melt into, melting pot, we'll talk about that later, melt into white worlds, that's problematic and, and caused its own problems, too. So I don't know. This show just has so many onion layers. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go back and watch the first episode because I feel like I'm missing things. And it's a it's a coming of age. It's coming into puberty. It's coming into your own. It's recognizing your color. It's recognizing your community and what you've gained and what you have lost. He lost his school. He lost his identity but then found it again. I don't know. There's something to say about that. And I found a lot of myself in that.
1: So okay. the two teams do finally are playing each other. Mm. There's some sub stories there that we don't need to touch upon. Cool. And then as the game's taking place, there's a timeout called. <laughs> yeah. The uh, white couple comes over to the, the family and the coach because they're all discussing something and they say oh my gosh we're so sorry and they're like what are you talking about it's the fact that the assassination of um, martin luther Luther king King had uh, occurred and And remember
0: before this point this is a comedy friends like this is a comedic funny ass show and then all of a sudden boom right
1: right Um, so this news has happened so everyone of course you know they leave and they're they're at home and, and they're waiting for the news updates. And remember, this is way before cell phones, texting, smartphones. So they're list, everyone's hanging on, and, listening and, and to the radio, listening to the radio. Walking, so, no, watching
0: walking, well, yeah. they're watching
1: TV, but like some the, the family that told them about it, they had their old transistor radio in their hand. Mm-hmm. You know, then they find out he passes, and everyone is
0: devastated and in their own
1: worlds, in their own world. The narrator, who is a narrator from current time, says he could never understand. Oh, yeah.
0: He said he couldn't understand because there were riots, like not riots, excuse me. There were um, protests that happened after Martin Luther King obviously was killed. And the character said, you know, I don't understand why people resort to violence when within their own communities and that kind of paralleled what I was talking about with the George Floyd incident And I was down in Indianapolis um, and there were protests happening um, and there was some looting and breaking of things. And I said that in my video, um, if you go back through my Facebook, you'll see me say it. And I really struggled with saying that because there is an anger, like there is a point where the black community or, communities of color haven't been heard and the only way it feels like to be heard sometimes is to resort to like breaking shit um and so
1: i thought and, and the only reason i'm cutting you off is because this is how i'm going to work around a spoiler alert okay okay so, <laughs> so going back so what you just said remembering that from your post yeah i always felt that way i was i always thought looting and 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 Vandal- vandalizing things when you marched. And I just thought that that took away from the message. And I was one yep. of those people that would say that, like, please quit breaking things and people will listen.
0: I and, definitely feel differently now for and sure.
1: And then uh, as things progressed and the George Floyd thing happened, mm-hmm. everything for me started to change. My take yep. on that started to change. And mm-hmm. here's why I say that. And then I'll go back to the Wonder Years. I never understood Colin Kaepernick until Floyd forget about the, the, the actual kneeling the first time because all he was doing was trying to make awareness, just the brutalness of, the police, and, yeah, the, uh, police. of the police force mm-hmm. everywhere. Yes. But then it became something much bigger because of the pushback it mm-hmm. received. And then, you know, who's going to support Kaepernick who's not. And so that became the story to me because I never yeah. got the first story. And I've, I've done things for causes to point out some of these things, but I still didn't get it. And then it took George Floyd for me to mm-hmm. say, well, Kaepernick did what we're saying pe- that people should do, that they should protest and bring <laughs> awareness. And right. It didn't work. Yep.
0: It sure so, enough didn't.
1: So I I you know it took the exposure of George. People had to react to it and so in the the closing of the wonder years something happens where after he's saying i know you know and and remembers the narrator who's in present time these parallels are easier for them to soft pitch it pitch to us at times he says i never understood why people went to violence and destruction especially of their own things and then when the main character sees something that breaks his heart and and angers him yes. at the same time. Yes, he picks up a rock and throws it through a window of the now ab- abandoned level. school. The school's right. abandoned. He wasn't he wasn't even breaking any property of anything that was open. That was the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: I so really powerful. could be like, yeah. You sometimes you gotta break some shit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> And I know that they, they, that's one of the reasons this, this show was able to take you on some highs and lows Yes, is because it was so much more relatable for you. Mm-hmm. So I had to get hit over the head with a soft pitch to really, for the first time ever say, you know what? Fucking sometimes you do have to break some. Yeah. I get it. I, I'm, yep. I'm okay with that. You know, there are ways to use that with pair it with other tools to get your desired results or at least get to the next level. Yeah. But I it, how else
0: will people listen to you? Like if you don't if you're if you're not loud enough? I mean, I I I think that Colin Kaepernick was so loud that it just it shattered, you know, our country, obviously. But he went through it the way that people say that he should, you know, like um with a, like kind of like a peaceful protest and it was a peaceful protest and yet people sent dogs after him right like not real dogs like the 1960s but those were peaceful protests and the dogs were released on him well he lost his job and he you know was the pariah of our country and probably still is in in a lot of ways and and that's heartbreaking that you know, he did the right thing. And then we turn around and resort to violence. And then people call that savage and inhumane and ridiculous. But how are we going to get people to listen to us then if if we don't have a way to express ourselves? Like, what the hell is it? Like, which way do you want it? And that was the amazing part of this story of, you know, this last part of the wonder years that really just struck me. And I cried. I mean, I haven't seen a show in a long time that can make you cry in the first episode and like really be reflective and, and think about that. But the th- cool thing is, is that it, it's just a message that reverberates through time, the sixties, us in the eighties, you I me growing up now in the two thousands where we're divided again. I don't know. It'll just keep going. Won't it? Well, what I think, what I got out of this as well, and
1: you talk about the layers You know, I love that you've used that analogy through this episode because those the layers you've talked about of messages of shows, we we always tend to forget that it's the same thing with people that we do all have these layers and these different Mm -hmm. things that are important and true to us. And Mm what I really got out of that ending and when he throws the rock and breaks the window, Mm -hmm he does it because he's hurting so badly. Yes. The other message I think that could be taken from that is destruction is almost never the answer. And up until today, I probably would have said never the answer. What would you rather Mm -hmm. see take place? Someone throw a rock and break a window or take that pain, that hatred, that betrayal and take it out on another human being with violence. And hurting them or killing mm-hmm. them. So I do believe that especially males get to a point where sometimes they do have to break some shit. And maybe everyone gets to that point.
0: No, I think but everyone gets there. Yeah. I
1: do think that we're we're wired a little differently at times if we're going to get the violence to slow down. And you know, there's so many cities and states that are setting homicide records this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe we got to find some place or put some places together where we can find people that are hurting that can actually do some good by yeah. breaking some things. Let's go into some neighborhoods. Let's tear down some of these old unoccupied buildings. Let's give some of these kids some sledgehammers and let them do some good while they get that hurt out. And but
0: maybe also that's to something do. yeah, the rebuilding part's the important part too, because then in the rebuilding, you're remembering why you destroyed in the first place, and that that is a community effort, you know, to come together and and build something amazing out of the destruction.
1: You know what's amazing about that is one of the best pieces of parenting I've ever seen. I knew someone whose kids played baseball in the neighborhood all the time. Every time they broke a window, instead of just paying to get the window fixed, they would go and help them install it or watch them install it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they were part of the fixing process. of something they broke, yeah. part of the process. They could also ask that the the person who who installing the window, how much it costs (laughs) and see him do it, but it's being a part of a a rebuilding. It's at the bare minimum is taking accountability for your actions, but it can be so much more of that, like being part of the rebuild, talking to the neighbor whose window you broke that maybe you never really Mm -hmm. talked to because you're a 16 year old kid and he's a 55, 60 year old guy, whatever it is. They're definitely or
0: finding an old high school friend that you are talking to these issues about that you haven't talked to in 20 years <laughs> and getting a totally different perspective.
1: Dun, 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 dun. Back to the person who just didn't understand why we can't find any any more white heterosexual couples on commercials and... I don't care if I see another white heterosexual couple represented on television. I think we've had our run. Always a pleasure.
0: Always a joy. Thank you so much for having me and we'll see everyone next time.